Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order in retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. I'm Amy Epstein. I have about 20 years of marketing, branding, and public relations experience working with companies large and small on everything from branding and transition communications to digital lead generation campaigns. I'm joined by my dad, who is a retired orthodontist, and my co-founder in People in Practice. He also serves as our CEO, and he is, after five months, no longer my housemate. Oh man, and and how do you I'm feel about that, Dad? <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm, lo- I'm lonely. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting in in my house now, and I used to have my partner and daughter Amy right next to me, and um, it was a lot of fun. And now I'm I'm sitting by myself. I don't have my oh. grandchildren in the background, yeah. scratching oh. at the door to play yeah. at all hours. Well, it's kind of lonely, but uh, we're glad that you're back. Mm-hmm, thank and, you. uh, and and we move on from here, right? We do. If you hear the yep. seven train in Queens going by, that's how you know I'm back at home. <laughs> and, and we hope everybody out there is, is safe and, and healthy as well. Yep. We started this podcast to bring the best thought leaders in the field so we can gain as much info and insight and share them with my fellow colleagues. That's why we're excited today to have Joe Hogan of Align Technologies as our special guest. Most of you know Joe, but I'll remind you of his background. Joe joined Align Technology in 2015 as the president and CEO. Before that, uh, he served as a CEO of ABB, a $40 billion, that's billion with a B, global power and automation company in Switzerland. Um, where he oversaw 25% increase in revenues. He spent 25 years at GE, um, where he doubled the revenues. Uh, The guy's a money machine. (laughs) Um, But uh, Joe earned his MBA from uh, Robert Morris University, his undergraduate uh, work in business economics at Geneva College. But the bottom line here is this is a really influential um, element in, in, in orthodontics, uh, arguably one of the most. So, uh, Joe, welcome back to The Survival Guide. Uh, thanks. It's, it's good to be back. The last time you were here, Joe, we spoke about the unstoppable ongoing movement from analog to digital in ortho. Uh, we, we certainly are seeing this play out and align has led the way with clear aligners. So uh, tell me, in, in your opinion, what's driving this digital transformation in ortho? Well, I think if you take a step back, I mean, you see that it's kind of in the last 20 years has been a progression of, you know, analog technologies being eaten by digital technologies over time. And that's just, you know, advent of integrated circuitry and in uh, the hardware associated with that, and then the advent of the internet, the iPhone, and then software itself that helps to facilitate all those things. So, 
I think if we just stand back from orthodontics in a second and say, you know, this is not, you know, an anomaly of some type. This is just the trend of, of technology and driven by software and incredible computer power and understanding today that's moving into the orthodontic industry. And, you know, as it lands in orthodontics and I often think of a line is, yeah, sure, we're an orthodontics company, but we're, you know, foundationally, we're a technology company. We're a digital company, and that's how we started. And we've evolved through that platform as the technology's evolved over the last 25 years. And so when you think about it from a practice standpoint, um, a digital practice, you know, based on, you know, plastic aligners, but I would say digital workflows more than plastic aligners, uh, is, I, I think, a, a breakthrough for orthodontists themselves in the sense of how they can express themselves and the number of patients they can express that technology across. And then secondly, it helps a lot from a patient standpoint in the sense of their orthodontic experience and you know how aligners and, and now how I feel a digital interface between uh, a doctor and orthodontics and their patients can actually transpire too to give you kind of an end-to-end -end digital platform from the making of the aligners themselves to the interface with the consumer till the completion of the case. So I just, I think this is all, this is what, what happens in a, in a world that's being uh, continually consumed by digital technologies. Right. And you have uh, patients who are now continually being trained up on uh, interfacing with everything, everyone um, in a digital manner. And they're one and the same in terms of their relationship with their phones and the apps on their phones. And um, so it's sort of everyone, the technology is there, the software is there, but then also the mentality is there, the desire is there um, to, to interact with their, the orthodontist in this way as well. Yeah, Amy, you know, I was thinking too, I looked at your background, you know, before, um, when we were talked before, and, and again, I refreshed, it must be really interesting to you too, given your background, it's just how much more targeted and segmented the market is today too from consumers than what it was even 10 years ago and you know how that's applied in this case too. Absolutely. It's, there's so much opportunity actually to communicate with people in the way that uh, or communicate specifically the things that you can offer all these different groups that are now yes. uh, you know candidates for orthodontics in a way that makes sense for them. Um, it's just not one big group anymore. It's so many different segments and, and they each really receive information in different ways as well. So that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, I think that's what's really interesting to me too, because you can tell by my background when I ran GE Healthcare and then on to ABB or whatever, but the medical market to me is one of the most infinitely segmentable markets I've ever seen in my life. And how you segment technology, how you segment what it does, this consumer interest, all those things, you can bring that kind of aspect and understanding, you know, much, much sharper and focus with the tools that are available today than what we could have ever dreamed of even 10 years ago. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I can't imagine what it was for you for healthcare overall. I mean, we're in the small uh, orthodontics focused industry, and even then we're segmenting uh, in lots of different ways and communicating in so many different ways. So uh, in some ways, there's an advantage there for us because we're working with only orthodontics. But um, yes. yeah, but it makes for a lot of opportunity, which is the really fun part about what we do. Yeah, there is sure. a challenge for, you know, old guys like me um, 
in orthodontics that are not used to this and are used to a different workflow. And adjusting to a new digital workflow is challenging for us. And I'll speak for many of my colleagues, not all, but, but many of them that are finding it particularly uh, difficult to navigate in these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a good lead into my next question for you, Joe, which is in mid-March when things got um, pretty real with COVID, um, and again, you know, I'm in New York, so um, specifically here, and it was all around us, but it started getting pretty real around that time. We yeah. were working with clients to put together uh, systems and processes that would allow them to like, essentially stay, stay open um, with quotation marks around the open. Um, you know, seeing p- patients virtually and, um, and importantly, doing new patient consults digitally. Um, some of the feedback that we were receiving from orthodontists as we worked with them is that they felt a line might have been able to come out stronger with uh, technology solutions and support throughout that period of time, which frankly is probably going to be onward because everybody's sort of getting used to a front-end digital interface for new patient consults. Um, so instead, they went with SmileSnap or SmileMate, Doxy, some of these different platforms. So I guess, the is there anything on the horizon at Align to support orthodontists with digital new patient acquisition uh, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we've been working on a product called Virtual Care. We had been working on it for about a year to launch that in a broad sense. And, you know, when COVID hit, we prematurely launched that product line and uh, we initially, you know, put it out to 100 or 200 doctors, and then we launched it worldwide. And you know, this is pretty much a digital interface that, you know, um, that doctors can track their patients with and, and allow, you know, that kind of freedom of, of not having to come into the office all the time, the doctor, the freedom to not have them there in the sense that they are on track. And we did put those tools in place. Um, adamantly, there's some aspects that need to be improved in that product line, particularly artificial intelligence in the sense of uh, keeping doctors from having to look at every patient's pictures or, you know, a constant video of a patient or whatever. And we can have technology in place, which you will shortly, that will be able to, you know, be able to, I call it default in the sense of if someone is not, you know, tracking properly or doing the things properly, there's a doctor alert, if not, that continues. So I felt good about our response in that sense. We launched it. We didn't charge for the product line. We haven't done that yet. It's not our intention. Uh, secondly, you know, to help to embrace doctors too, you know, we will spend $100 million this year in advertising to consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never stopped advertising. We never stopped trying to drive patients to doctors' offices. And you think about $100 million, this is North America. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's bigger than most of our competitors' sales budgets that we'd yeah. spend that much. And that's, that's to, you know, to drive demand. And, uh, you know, we turned our 3D printing factory, in, particularly in North America and Mexico, uh, into making PPE equipment that we shipped to doctors to, to help doctors in the sense because they were having a very difficult time procuring PPE. And it's a great thing about 3D printing. You can, you know, modify these things pretty quickly to do some different things. And we didn't have the demand pattern, obviously, to take that aligner capacity so we could apply it to, you know, safety wear that would help doctors. And, you know, lastly, to try to help also is we extended accounts payable. Uh, we retired some, you know, iTero subscription fees because we knew doctors would be under a huge amount of cash flow pressure. And we did that pretty, you know, well across our, our base. So 
I felt with, you know, virtual care that we responded well, though the product isn't quite as ready as we wanted to when we did launch it, but you'll see significant improvements as we roll in the next year. And then I thought we, you know, met doctors head on in the sense of trying to help them through this equation from a cash and protection standpoint, a lot of other areas. And it's never perfect, but I hope, I hope the orthodontists out there saw the intent that we had is to try to help and understand, you know, the very difficult situation they were in. And, you know, frankly, we were in too. Uh, you know, maybe it's a long answer to your question, but also is, you know, we announced a no layoff policy. Uh, and, you know, we also said that, you know, we would, you know, make sure that we continue to drive demand and all those things too. So um, through this, our goal was to make sure we took care of our customers, our doctors, and we took care of our employees. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, we've seen the market come back you know, pretty well mm-hmm. right now, and we're in a good position to be able to, you know, help doctors as they come back from this. Yeah, it's no, it's useful. It's, so it's helpful to have you list out everything that Align has done. I think sometimes it's hard to see everything at once, especially when you're dealing with everything on your own plate as a orthodontist managing a practice that's being asked to see everybody virtually. So it, that's really useful. And we do look forward to seeing, um, you know, the technology piece um, and improvements there as, as they are deployed. So, so okay. Joe, my ears perked up when you started talking about virtual care. Um, and, and you mentioned that it's in development and, you know, it's a work in progress, which, which, I, which I get. Um, and one of the features that you mentioned was uh, and helping orthodontists determine whether a patient is tracking or not. And, and that sounds a lot like a kind of a dental monitoring um, aspect that you're incorporating into it. Uh, am I wrong and, and off base on that? Or is there some alliance between Align and dental monitoring? Um, or are you developing your own type of AI? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, first, you know, you know, first of all, is it, it's a good question. Is you know, f- for years now, I say years, two or three years, we've been talking a lot about you know analog to digital, and then you know the digital platform that we have been um, you know pronouncing you know for a, a, the last couple of years, which is basically an end-to-end digital kind of a platform. You start with iTero, you go through some sophisticated treatment planning. We go through a manufacturing execution system that, you know, digitally, you know, makes the aligners and off the up. But what we hadn't concentrated on was trying to get the doctor's interface to be digital with their, with their patient base. And um, that's what we're doing now is that you can't just, you know, have a digital front end of the system and have the doctors continue with an analog design on the back end with their. Uh, and so what we're basically doing is we're taking a lot of, you know, capability that we have internally on image recognition and image fusion and image understanding and aligner fit and how that works with uh, our different treatment planning or whatever. And we'll put that into our, our virtual care, care software. So I mean, I'm well aware of, of dental monitoring. I think of them as kind of a single point kind of a of an approach. You know, I look at ours as more of an integrated digital platform approach is, uh, you know, at a certain point in time, can we tell you that the aligners aren't fitting? Yes, but we can also tell you if it's relating to where they should be on that particular stage at that particular time based on ClinCheck. There's a 
should be a amount of specificity uh, that's time related that we can express that with. So, you know, I'll just circle back and say, you know, we are a technology company and uh, we've done 9 million patients. We have an incredible database. We have a large cadre of uh, AI engineers and machine learning engineers that we use constantly to to improve our product lines. And we're going to work hard to make sure that workflow, doctor, patient, not just an item of of discretion like uh, you know some of the companies that are out there but an integrated workflow with our product line that the doctor can exercise with their patient is in place to make them as productive as possible and uh, is clinically uh, viable as possible yeah. well I'm, I'm anxious to to see what that looks like for sure yeah. as I'm sure our listeners are huh yeah. for sure. you know um, I you know I could I, I don't know if I give you too much information or not but we'll spend uh, $250 million this year on uh, technology, right? Basically engineering and information technology. And those two sciences merge so much in this business, you can't really treat them discreetly. Um, you know, and we have accumulated a lot of knowledge and things over the years. So, you know, it's girth and, and breadth in software and technology mean something. Uh, it takes money and capability to build these kind of integrated platforms and we're really committed to it we'll keep investing heavily into it because we really believe it and you know hopefully over time the orthodontic community will continue to embrace that and uh and see it for what it is well let me say on behalf of uh of my colleagues and particularly on behalf of people in practice we appreciate the hundred million dollar spend on advertising <laughs> I mean, that, that's a welcome addition. And, and so we know that there is a, there is a demand, and, and certainly Smile Direct Club has shown that, and, and their advertising spend helps us as well, we feel. So there's a big demand out there, we feel, for improving your smile. And so at People of Practice, we're, we're strong advocates of capturing more of that market for our clients. And a lot of that market are easier cases that can be treated with clearer liners in a shorter amount of time. And we believe uh, with a correspondingly lower treatment fee and still be highly profitable. But here's the thing about it. With, with, with our aligned clients, unless they are really high volume users, the lab fee with Align um, has moved many of our orthos to look towards competitive labs or even some in-house 3D printing. I'm sure this is not any news to you, but I'm interested in your thoughts about this trend. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, obviously our pricing is, uh, I wouldn't say it's a, con a controversy, but it's, you know, always questioned by the orthodontic community. Um, you remember our profit margins are, you know, in line and even lower than, you know, what is in the orthodontic community from a most of a supply standpoint. Uh, it's just what we do is, you know, pretty expensive in the way we go about things. And, you know, we obviously price to, to have a return on that investment. Uh, but we do have this uh, stratification, you know, through our Advantage program, particularly in North America, of high-end users like Diamond, Diamond Plus, Platinum users obviously get a substantial discount versus, you know, bronze and silver, you know, users, gold users on on the lower scale uh, that you know aren't aren't uh, that kind of a discount's not available based on the volume that they do. Um, 
And then there's also, you know, our what I would call our, you know, easier end of our product line, our lower end, which are products like E5, E7, E10. Oh, we're really creative in the way we do that, right? It's seven aligners, ten aligners, five aligners, <laughs> and what we sell out there, right? And and I have to say, you know, for years I, I have not felt those things are priced well. Um, uh, it, it does make it prohibitive for some, you know, even doctors that are diamond plus to even consider those product lines because of, of their pricing. Uh, I think you'll see that we did as we aggressively reduced the price of E5 uh, from a promotional standpoint, but we haven't changed that recently. And uh, I feel it's, you know, if you haven't looked at that recently, that is a significant decrease. And uh, we'll look at adjusting those other products as time goes on to try to make that um more interesting, you know, for doctors in the higher end brackets of advantage and the lower ends uh, also. Um, we also focus a lot on, you know, iTero and putting the software tools into iTero, you know, regardless if you're on the, you know, E5 all the way up to a comprehensive product line or something like mandibular advancement. It's really giving you all the software as possible to help the doctor with the case as much as possible, but also use iTero as a communication tool with patients to be able to explain visually, uh, you know, what's going to happen or what's going on and what they can expect through that treatment, which we find is a, a way to, to up the close rates of doctors as they work with patients. So mm-hmm. I hope that helps. Yeah, you know, and it's a long, it's a long, it's a long answer to your story, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of context behind it. Well, well, we appreciate you pointing out the, to look at the any changes in pricing structure. So that's helpful for our listeners to know about, um, and uh, and just your general thoughts on on the trend are are, are helpful for our listeners. Um, as we as we typically do on the podcast, we'd like to introduce a caller question. Uh, somebody who's dialed in and, and wants to address something to you directly, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. It's fine. Hi, my name is Dr. Seth Kleinrock from Hewlett, New York. A line was ordered to close all of the Invisalign stores in 2019. It is my understanding that the non-compete provision with SDC will terminate in 2022. My question is whether a line has any future plans to reopen Invisalign stores. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Klein, I, um, I appreciate the question, and i just give you a little background noise on that. Uh, you know, the, probably the biggest mistake we ever made in marketing was calling those stores stores because we didn't transact in those stores at all. Those were set up specifically to uh, invite patients in or drive patients into those stores, introduce them through an iTero scan into what could be done with their teeth, and then directly move those patients to a doctor where they could be professionally analyzed and, and obviously taken care of from an orthodontic treatment standpoint. So it never, we called it a store. That was our fault. It was never intended to be a store and nothing like what STC does and how they tra- transact in their side, their stores. Uh, I was stunned personally that uh, we, this was an arbitration. It wasn't a court. It was one arbitrator out of Chicago uh, who said that these were substantially similar services, uh, which was the terminology in our contract, and which I thought substantially similar would mean you sell directly to consumers. But at that point, the, um, the, the arbitrator judge didn't, didn't have that opinion. Uh, and he did, as you said, uh, he ruled that we had to close down our stores and to not be able to reopen them or reengage until 2022. Uh, we, I respected that decision. My team respected that decision. We immediately closed those stores down within 30 days, and we have not, you know, reopened them. As far as our, our, of reopening them in the future, 
Uh, you know, my feeling is those stores were moderately successful, uh, depending on where they were in the country. Uh, it was a good trial for us in one way or another. Uh, I'm not, regardless of whatever, you know, the ruling is, I'm not anxious to get back into it. I think there's a number of ways that we can go to market to market to consumers and drive them to uh, to, to our doctor, you know, partners uh, that, that don't include stores. So right now I would tell you, if this was uh, 2022, I'm not so sure you'd see us re-engage in that kind of a retail format. I mean, you could, you could see if it were reframed a little bit, um, how it could be an advertising play where, you know, it's a living, breathing, interactive ad. And, um, and so, like you said earlier, you know, maybe not that I'm urging you to go back into it, but, uh, you know, sort of reframing the approach as supportive of the doctors, uh, in that you're providing an experience that, you know, just like awareness advertising does on a billboard, um, this is just a different way to engage in with Invisalign in a way that drives demand for the product. It's it, it's just what you described. It's just how you framed it, Amy. But you know, when you look at like a hundred million dollars of advertising this year, as we put in place, it's all about efficiency. It's about how many patients can we drive to doctors and get the high the highest possible yield. Uh, you know, for that investment. Uh, when you looked at when we, when we had our retail centers. Uh, you get down to some very specific geocentric advertising, Amy, that I think you probably understand extremely well, right? You kind of you kind of digitally fence that area, like if mm-hmm. it's in San Francisco or, you know, where you live in Queens or whatever. Uh, you digitally fence, I think it costs a lot of money to do that. And so you have to have a pretty good yield coming through those retail outlets in order to justify that piece. And that's that's really what um, the, the dynamics of the, the cost equation really come to. It, is that a better way, a more efficient way, a higher yielding way to, to get those patients to offices? Or are there other ways to do it, which we've been exploring, that might be more efficient? Yep. Um, Joe, I think that the pushback, I guess, from the ortho community would be, you know, what's the algorithm for determining who you're pushing them to? Um, is it orthos? Is it GPs? Is it based on location? Is it based on volume? I think that that's, that's probably you know, one of the issues that, that I see come up a lot on the Facebook pages in terms of uh, where, where, where are you driving those leads to? Uh, that's a fair question, and uh, you know I, that's posed to us all the time. Is it, it's basically is where we feel we have the highest chance of conversion. And so that happens to do with the doctors that do the most Invisalign mm-hmm. uh, and by specific location, too. So if you're a orthodontic doctor and you're in the, you know, you're in the platinum, the diamond plus area, uh, chances are you're going to you're going to see, you know, numerous patients that Invisalign will, you know, escort, you know, to to your practice, either through our concierge program, you know, where we have a direct connect with consumers and, and direct connect with doctors and make sure that, you know, that handshake takes place. Or whether it's you know broad-based advertising like you see right now, um, I can tell you, I, you know, the GP ortho question is always there and always relevant. But when it comes to teenage patients, uh, I mean, that, that's basically an orthodontic you know uh, piece that you know obviously are looked at, and uh, and we try to you know we try to to move to orthos as much as we can. Um, the adult segments are again, 
when you look at that, it's going to be who's doing the most cases in that specific region that probably has a higher chance of converting those patients when they when they reach the practice. Can we jump back to marketing because it is it's my favorite topic um, <laughs> for a second. Uh, I have a question about the recently introduced Invisalign stickables. Um, you know, at first, I've, it was a little counterintuitive. At, you know, the attraction to aligners is that they're clear. And then, so my, my question for you, was there some insight, I assume, um, from market research that indicated that kids maybe felt they were missing out on the color choices that brackets allow for? Or how, what was the genesis? <laughs> Amy, I'm glad you asked that question, really. It's kind of funny. So I've been here five years, right? And one of the things I do, and it's how your father and I met, is I go around and visit as many doctors as I can. And uh, and I always listen. And I can't tell you how many times the doctors would say, you know, Joe, my 7 to 11 or 12-year-old patients love these colored braces. And if we had some, you know, product from Invisalign that would help uh, you know, help in that sense. We could, you know, convince these, uh, we call them, you know, preteens uh, to move into Invisalign more readily. And I'd go back to my headquarters and tell my marketing team and they would look at me like I had like one eye, you know, <laughs> uh, like that's the dumbest idea. This is about Invisalign. It's clear and you shouldn't see anything. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm the CEO, but I'm not a dictatorial CEO. I, I listen, honestly, and uh, up to a point. Um, but when I get enough market feedback, and I mean literally, I would say one out of five orthodontists I called on, this would come up. And I wouldn't solicit it, right? It would come to me. So I finally said, hey, we're going to do this and put a team together. And, you know, obviously we just launched these things. And frankly, you know, this is a limited launch. We've just done it, you know, in the United States. And the response has been phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, again, it's that specific segment. But actually, we have some adults uh, actually want to work with their teens, you know, which kind of makes sense that, mm -hmm. they, <laughs> that they're in the liners and they want to express themselves that way, too. And, you know, on reflection, and I'm a big reflector because I think you don't really ever learn anything until you internalize it. And I think, okay, now why, why did we miss this? Um, and, and my conclusion is that, you know, Align is a clinically focused company. Uh, we mirror the orthodontic community because we, we, you know, rotate around our customers who are primarily orthodontists. And, and so when we prioritize investments, man, the one that will increase clinical competency, you know, is the one that gets funded. And things like aesthetics or something that's cute or something gets pushed to the side as kind of a marketing thing, Amy, rather than, uh, you know, real, you know, real technology companies and medical devices, you know, create the next kind of product that has features that could never be done before. And, and so I just, you know, in this case, I'm not telling you, we, I mean, we have to now commercialize this process. We have to make it global or whatever. And I'm not telling you it's an outstanding success in some way, but the initial signal on this, you know, limited launch has been uh, good enough for us to take the next steps and to move this forward. But and I'm really proud of Align for being clinically focused, but I also want us to be agile enough to listen to, you know, our doctors that when they want something is to do enough analysis of it to see if it makes sense or not for their patients. Mm -hmm. You know, Joe, um, you know, we're a marketing company, so we had a meeting about this when when this was announced. And, you know, we, we discussed it 
um, internally in terms of, you know, is this going to fly? I mean, are people going to be interested in this or are clients going to really want to promote this? So we did a little research on our own. And, you know, we, we, uh, we polled um, our clients. And uh, the feedback was extremely positive, particularly with the Invisalign First uh, uh, users. And as a result, we have a number of campaigns that we are developing right now for our clients um, to roll out. So, you know, I was really skeptical, but, you know, now that I think about it, you know, I, th I think about the consults I used to do and how the, you know, when, when it was a phase one case and I was using a removable appliance, I would have this brochure of all these different designs and colors of retainers where they could put in all of their favorite teams and pictures and do whatever they want. And once these kids locked into that, they were all in. Once they were all in, their parents were all in. So I, I see this as, as very similar. You know, if I, if I was in practice, I would have, um, and I would encourage you to provide this to orthodontists, uh, you know, uh, a folder uh, just to show the kids of what they can do. Instead of having braces and colors, they can have aligners and have, you know, all, all the fun they want that they, uh, that they think that they're missing. Yeah, he immediately uh, said it's a closing tool. It's a TC closing tool. <laughs> and I didn't uh, see it that way at first, yeah. but I, I can see the merit in that. Yeah, and I, I like the suggestion too about the brochure that you can you can just show in that case. Uh, if you have an iTero scanner, you know you can pull that right up with a patient and show them. You know those. Uh, you can order them off our e-commerce store, but you could also order through IDS too. You know our um, our IDS platform that you know most doctors interface with. But it's funny that your experience, you know, and it's like uh, it's like mine. You know, I you know my team was like you guys skeptical in the sense of. Does this really make sense? But goodness, I heard it so many times from, you know, good orthodontist. And but as you said that, too, it is phase one treatment. You know, it's expansion kinds of uh, Invisalign first application. That is the segment that it primarily mm -hmm. fits in. But we're also seeing some extension to adults, which, you know, I guess, you know, retrospectively kind of makes some sense, too. But that's not the primary driver. Yeah, you know, we had a, a team meeting actually before we're, we're recording this and um, we were talking a little bit about it and how, you know, I felt it was geared towards the, you know, Invisalign first uh, younger kids. And, and, and one of our team members said, you know, if I had Invisalign, I'd just get one, put it right in the center. <laughs> so, so you never know. <laughs> but, you know, the good thing is if, if you're a teen, you should be on weekly wear anyway, right? Because the teeth move so well. Right. That's right. It's, uh, you can change up as you want to, right? It's Halloween's coming. You can have Halloween. If you have a sports team, there's just a... It's a uh, it's a lot of flexibility, I think, uh, and yeah. you know what we're finding out is kids love to express themselves. It's another Absolutely, way. I'll tell you, I was the the popular kid for a while, for a short time. I'll I'll just say, in like fourth <laughs> grade, when my dad had me in in uh, clear brackets, and I was one of the few who had clear at the time. This was in the early '90s. And he would change the colors of my bands at home. He had all the colors at home. He changed them uh, for every holiday. So I'd show up. I'd roll in for Valentine's Day with all red. And, you know, it didn't look so great, but black and orange for Halloween. And everybody's like, she's the coolest ever. And so I can see, you know, capitalizing on that trend with Invisalign stickables. It does make a lot of sense. You know what? It's it's interesting. I, I do. It's, it's fun. And I, you know, the, the colored braces or any what you just went through is a good, you know, 
kind of a precursor to this, but you know, it, it wasn't easy to develop these stickables. These have to be FDA compliant. It has mm. to be able to stick in some severe environments. It, it is a, a lot of technology behind doing this correctly, and it took us some time. Uh, and then from a production standpoint too. Uh, so it wasn't like you know we we went and you know found some duct tape and put things on stuck it on a liner. Went <laughs> right? to the dollar store, <laughs> grabbed some stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, you know, we appreciate the the technology behind it, or uh, now that you mention it, we can think about that and appreciate the technology behind it. Um, but also just the continual thought and openness to innovation. Um, our, our clients do appreciate it. And you can you can tell that they do because they embrace these the, what comes down the line. And, um, and from our standpoint, it gives us some interesting things to be able to develop campaigns around and talk about. Um, that will will hopefully expand segments of the practices that we work with. So, uh, Joe, thank you so much for being here today um, on behalf of the two of us and also just the entire ortho community. It's really nice to have a direct line to you. Um, so appreciate your time and for you sharing your thoughts. Hope you'll come again. Good. I'll be happy to come back. And I really appreciate the, the opportunity today. Yep, Joe. Um, you know, you're you're a straight up guy. It comes across clearly. The orthodontic community appreciates the honesty. You don't beat around the bush. So um, we really appreciate the fact that whenever I reach out to you, uh, you you've been responsive and, yep. and, and open. So again, thank you for uh, reappearing uh, on the podcast, and we look mm-hmm. forward to having you back again. Hey, Leon, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I'm happy to come back anytime. But I just tell you, I remember it was five years ago when I started that I met you. And, uh, and we spent some time together. Mm-hmm. I, when I walked out of being with you, I, I thought, here's, a, here's someone who understands orthodontics but understands marketing, too. And it, is, it was a rarity, you know. And I just want to thank you for the relationship over the years. Appreciate he is it. a gem, isn't he? Yes. You can subscribe or download other episodes on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate you telling your colleagues. For more information about people in practice, you can sign up for our free marketing newsletter on our website, pplpractice.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to contact me directly, you could shoot me an email at leon at pplpractice.com. So long, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at the survival guide for orthodontists.com.